Newsflash LT, the 2016 Wellness Summit is confirmed. Pop into your diary and get your tickets now at the super early bird rate. Be there on September 10th and 11th in Melbourne with 1,000 other like-minded wellness enthusiasts. And for a limited time, purchase your ticket at this incredible rate. Up until Christmas Day, five Wellness Summit tickets are yours for the price of two. That's better than two for one. That's two and a half for one. Bring a leg, bring an arm, bring your wellness tribe for less than 120 bucks per ticket for a never-seen-before format of the summit. And even better, every ticket purchased before Christmas goes into an incredible draw to win one ticket to the 2016 Wellness Breakthrough. I cannot believe we're actually giving this away. It's worth $3,000. Get excited, people. Get very excited. To get access to the biggest and best wellness summit ever and enter this special Christmas draw, go to thewellnesssummit.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Hello and welcome back, uh, all you wonderful Wellness Women Radio listeners. Uh, you're here with Andrea and Ashley, and today we're talking about um, a pretty hot topic that has been all through the media lately. It's going crazy on social media, and it's something that we really needed to address. And that is a publication that came out from the WHO or the World Health Organization recently, claiming that meat causes cancer. And as you can imagine, it's been completely sensationalized. (laughs) Uh, There was some uh, newspaper headlines saying that meat is, you know, comparable to the new tobacco. Um, I've sort of paraphrased that, but that's come from the Huffington Post. Um, They're saying that animal-rich protein diets um, can be as harmful to a health as smoking as well. That came from The Guardian. And, you know, it's gone off in the the blogosphere as well. Um, There's lots of uh, attacks made at, you know, paleo-type lifestyles and all sorts of other things. So we want to break that down today. And um, this whole topic has translated into such an interesting conversation that, that came up with um, with Ash and I, even before we were talking about this and just running through the types of things that were important to cover. And it, it almost went down um, to, you know, we went right down the rabbit hole here talking about human rights, uh, population control, all sorts of things. It was incredible. And Um, I want to uh, just put a bit of disclaimer out there first and foremost and say that we are both fence sitters when it comes to this topic of eating meat and eating and look, red meat. Yeah, and there's absolutely not too many times you're going to hear us say fence-sitting because we're pretty opinionated on things. We do our research, we do our homework yeah. so we can form what I call knowledge-based decisions and choices on our belief structures. Um, but this is one of those topics where... I said to Andrea, I literally will sit on the fence on this because I am impassioned one way, but then there's also an intellectual part of me that's impassioned the other way um, in the sense that to eat meat or not to eat meat, that is the question. And that's what we want to try and talk about today is, you know, do we eat meat? Do we not eat meat? When do we eat it? How much do we eat it? Um, why the hell are we eating it in the first place? What's the need for it? And um, yeah, we're going to sort of discuss that today because this, yeah. this article really highlighted the fact that there is still such a um, divided scientific opinion on the value of meat in the diet and now they're pushing the point that it could be causing cancer which is just 
Uh, quite an interesting spin on things there. And I am not fence-sitting in the sense that that is sensationalized and they're completely taken out of context. So we're going to debunk some myths today about what the article and the research actually supports and what it shows, how to interpret some of the um, information out there as well, and how to not be confused by, you know, sensationalist media. Um, but it's really interesting, you know, Ash and I kind of have a fairly similar background um, and similar experience when it comes to eating meat. We were both vegetarian for a long time. Um, it was interesting. I actually grew up on a farm for, you know, the first eight years of my life. I actually watched my mother slaughtering sheep, um, which I was telling you before. Um, we would use the entire animal. So it would be, it would feed us, it would feed our animals and our dogs. Um, I actually remember playing around in the, the poor animals, like intestines, poking things and seeing how things It was dead, yeah. Yeah, it was dead. Oh, that's yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, oh, this is a really weird conversation. Yeah, my yeah. mum would hang up the, um, the the dead carcass in in our bathroom to let it bleed out. It was it, it was pretty disgusting, but no, but it was real. Yeah, it was I real. Think and this is the big thing we you know we really yeah. want to discuss today is um, the disconnect between where meat come from. Yeah, uh, comes from. Sorry, great English grammar there. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, our dissociation to the whole practices of this, the rearing and slaughtering of animals um, before it gets to our dinner plate. Exactly. And that really comes now into the whole principles between whether meat's good or not good. Are you making choices on ethical and moral grounds? Are you making choices on um, environmental reasons or health-based reasons? Yeah. There's a lot of different reasons why people choose to eat or not eat meat. And, you know, and we were the same in that sense that ethically I chose a vegetarian lifestyle for quite some time until health concerns became apparent. Um, some testing revealed some deficiencies in amino acid profiles and that particular amino acid can only be obtained from red meat. Now, what do I do? Because I'm ethically morally bound to my reasons why I'm vegetarian. But then my scientific knowledge says but hang on you're now deficient in the amino acid profiles and you're a good vegetarian you have worked hard to figure out this whole thing so i mean how many of you out there right now listening and thinking i'm a good vegetarian and i have no way i'm going to eat meat look maybe for some people it works really well vegetarian lifestyles but don't be surprised if you're well like andrew and i actually turned out to be that vegetarian lifestyle at some point down the road turns out to be um, a challenge to your actual health and your health status and the quality of your mindset and the quality of your mental health and physical health um, because yeah that's yeah. that's where we're going with this and I was in the exact same boat I was I chose to be vegetarian when I was young when I was in high school I um, had a really big problem with making a decision as to what lived or died and how I had the power to do that and so I wasn't okay with that um, and it, it was purely for those you know those ethical emotional reasons why I I chose that, um, you know, pork spare ribs used to be my favorite thing in the world, but <laughs> that, that was the decision that I made. And then I was vegetarian for a long time. I even became raw vegan for a while and then my health really suffered and I had to make a, a decision to, you know, include animal products back into my diet. And I did it really well. There's a lot of people, um, who, you know, did not eat all the way after their bodies nearly as well as what I did, um, on, you know, a similar vegetarian or vegan diet. Um, but it was not sustainable for me. Uh, and when I made that decision, my health improved and it did really quickly. There are some choices that I make now that are very different, um, that maybe I would not have made if I wasn't vegetarian. For example, I don't eat any pig products, um, exclusively and, uh, it's probably still from a bit of an emotional um, perspective, but it, it doesn't sit well with my body either. And I am very conscious as to where it comes from. 
I only eat organic meat um, and that is my um, flag in the sand. If I'm out at a restaurant, I will try and, you know, eat, for example, fish rather than anything else um, because I don't want exposure to any of the controlled animal feeding operations or the CAFO meat because I know what's happened there. And those are the things that we're going to talk about today as well. Um, so we're going to look at what the health implications are that has been stated or sensationalized from you know, the media's response to the World Health Organization's um, study. But then we're also going to look at the impact this has and help you to make a good conscious decision for you and your family too. Yeah, and I think that's really cool because we're not trying to swing you either way on this one. Um, informed decision making is really what comes down to. Now you know a little bit about our background, a little bit about our stories. You you know you now understand that both of us do consume meat in small quantities, and we choose organic, grass fed, grass reared uh, meat as well. Exactly. And I can speak for myself, and I'm no Andrew is very much the same as me. Um, I know where the farm is, where the meat comes from. I buy from a butcher who can tell me more about the farm and the farm owners than uh, I ever thought would be possible, which is really fantastic. So finding a local butcher that um, supports your choices of making informed and and conscious decisions is so important. And unfortunately, not everyone gets that opportunity. Sometimes the only meat we ever see is the supermarket of Coles and Woolworths, you know, here in Australia. And again, disconnected between the source the farm, the farming practices, the slaughtering and the production line that gets it to your supermarket, it wrapped in plastic, all looking like a slab of meat, and then it finally goes to your dinner table. So look, um is that disassociation yeah. that the meat you eat comes from a supermarket, it doesn't come from a you know a living animal, it doesn't come from a farm or someone who is putting their blood, sweat and tears into rearing these animals, um, or they're being, you know, reared in a very highly controlled very unethical manner that's not conducive to um you know an an animal um growing with any kind of um you know in any sort of humane way i I should say i'm gonna hit you with a hard question now so yeah does red meat cause cancer uh the research says no it's uh And good. There we go. We just want to clear that up from day one. And and let me let me talk you through why this is the case. Um, Every year, so it happens annually. There will be a new study that comes out that says red meat will kill us, or red meat, you know, causes cancer. In this case, the most recent one, and this has been happening for the last forty years, mind you. This is not this is not a recent thing. Uh, It's just at this time, the World Health Organization put out a statement saying that processed meat is now considered a class one carcinogen and by processed meats they um, classified those as uh, things like bacon um, salami um, anything cured anything salted anything that had a process um, so you know fermenting whatever it might be or smoking that's going to change its flavor or extend its quality of life um, or its its shelf life I should say Um, so that includes you know your hot dogs your (laughs) sausage rolls any of those sorts of things is considered a class one carcinogen Um, now they used some epidemiological studies to uh, quantify or to qualify that information so it means that They've observed some people over a long period of time and they've um, created a correlation. It absolutely cannot prove causation. So there's a correlation between people who consume this type of meat and one type of cancer. In this case, it's colorectal cancer. So so cancer of of the colon in the bowel and the rectum. Um, 
Now, the challenge with this is that when the media picks it up, everyone then thinks, oh, all of red meat causes cancer. But in this particular instance, they're only referring to a higher incidence with consumption of processed meats um, in those populations. And the interesting thing is that they didn't look at any other comorbidities or any other factors in any of these studies. So they didn't look at what their lifestyle was like. They didn't look at whether or not they already had pre-existing cancers or health conditions. They just took a big chunk of people, looked at their health status over, you know, a certain amount of time and, and then made that assumption. The other thing that also is highlighted when these sorts of things come out is that, um, you know, no studies are completely unbiased. Uh, if that was the case, that would be fantastic, but it's not. And they cannot use what is considered the gold standard of testing to make these assumptions uh, in regards to how something affects our health. So they cannot use a double-blind placebo trial in this sort of instance to say whether or not something causes cancer because you can't eat fake meat. Well, exactly. You can't, (laughs) you can't put a whole bunch of people into a very controlled situation, tell them whether or not they're eating meat and because, and also figure out how to put them in the dome. It'd be like putting them in the, in in the, in the house, you know, like like big brother brother where they have to, yeah. But how long would they have to be there for? Would it be 20 years? Would it be 30 years? Would they have to control their emotional state? Would they have to control their digestive system? Oh gosh. That one with Jim Carrey. Yeah. We're using the dome. Oh, that freaked me out when I feel like we're like, realized that it was just all contrived and, and artificial like living inside yeah. and so oh that yeah so, so we so can't do that that's that's no. impossible in this yep. in this instance um and also they haven't looked at where how um the meat was cooked or prepared either because we do know that some preparation of meat um and this is not necessarily processed meats but all types of red meat will increase um its toxicity within the body as well so we know that um really charring something and the types of things that you use to cook the meat with is doesn't have healthful effects on the body either. Mm. Um, we also know that someone's digestive health will dramatically impact how someone's body will assimilate, you know, that product. So, you know, go back to our episode on gut health. Did these people have a good microbiome? Most probably not because there is an absolute correlation and association between people who consume high amounts of processed meats, like hot dogs, salami, um, cured meats, those sorts of things, who also participate in other um, unhealthy habits. So they also have a high incidence of smoking. They don't move their bodies, so they don't exercise as much as um, you know everybody else. They consume really highly processed foods. Um, they consume much higher um, rates of sugar as well, um, and they also, um, you know, have a high incidence of obesity and things like that. So they cannot say that their consumption of red meat is what causes this colorectal cancer. It can be, you know, a whole conglomerate of all of these factors together and these other comorbidities that they've got. A pretty crappy lifestyle their diet is shocking they're not exercising moving their body they've probably got a pretty poor emotional um you know state as well um all of these factors might increase their um their likelihood of developing that cancer so basically what we're saying here is that don't believe everything you read on the front page of the news media and uh look i think if you're listening to us then you are already pretty switched on smart woman <laughs> so we know we've got smart listeners we get some great questions and feedback from you guys so uh 
we know that you're certainly smart and I'm pretty safe to assume that most of you would uh, challenge conventional normals because the fact that you're listening to a, a program on, on the wellness couch, you know, called the wellness women, you're, you're looking for things that are generally quite outside the box because you know that there's a better path or a different way and you're not willing to suck up and take in uh, just what the, the media will give you. So look, I guess, you know, we're going to sort of talk now about, um, is meat consumption all it's cut up to be? And because I bring this question in um, simply because of the rise and rise of the paleo lifestyle and yes. the paleo diet and paleo challenges. And um, I mean, God love him. I love, I think he's great and he's doing some great things for health and wellbeing in Australia. But paleo Pete Evans, you know, the stuff that he's doing. And for sure, I mean, I'm going to straight up say go and get one of his recipe books because there is some awesome stuff in those and they're clean, they're healthy, they're amazing. Um, but it's you one know, of the only recipes I can actually cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's got some good stuff, and it's yeah. not just because he's good looking; it's just because he's got good, uh, good, good recipes. Um, okay, we just got dubbed ourselves in there. We love him. Um, maybe he came on the show one day. Wouldn't that be awesome, guys? I yeah. hope uh, we, one day we can introduce you to Pete Evans live. That would just be so cool. But we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, Did you meet him at the, uh, the our association breakfast? No, um, yeah, no, he, no. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, we were fortunate enough to to meet Pete Evans at one of our association breakfasts. He kind of you know gave us some demos of cemented some fermented foods and talked us through what his um you know sort of daily eating regime was like and and that was all pretty cool and um i think he does paleo well i think that um when most of the population think of the paleo diet they'll think of caveman days they'll think of um you know eating like a big t-bone steak with their hands or um and it's all meat 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 um and that's that's a problem because we know that that is not healthy yeah, and that, that's where it probably fits into this episode really well, and this is why we brought it up, is because um, that certainly there are some negative health consequences of high-protein, high-meat consumption diets. And unfortunately, a lot of people are mistaking paleo as their, their way into eating uh, unlimited amounts of yeah, <laughs> bacon as they can possibly yeah. consume. But that's not the case. And now, look, I've done the paleo challenge, um, which for anyone who doesn't know exactly what that is, a paleo challenge is usually a month-long challenge, so they usually run for about 30 days four weeks and um you generally will opt to eat strict paleo with all its restrictions you know no dairy and all the rest Mm -hmm. um for a period of 30 days now excuse me the reason I loved that was because, um, first and foremost, I got to clean up my eating patterns. Mm-hmm. It just took away all the things that were unnecessary, all the extra calories I was consuming in snacks that really weren't you know, beneficial to my health and well-being. So from that perspective, um, I absolutely loved it. And the first time I went paleo was in 2006, actually. So I don't even know if it's called paleo then. It was just literally cleaning challenge. And it was just something where you, you stripped back to bare basics, yeah. you know, meat, fruit, nuts, seeds. Awesome. Eggs, yeah. full stop, nothing else. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, that doesn't sound too hard. And, I can, and I lots can of do vegetables, that. Yeah. Lots and yeah. lots of veggies. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the key that most people forget is that paleo is mostly vegetables. Mm. It's, mm. it's mostly those good um, fermentable fibers. Um, the, the, that's the key. Uh, sorry, Ash, keep going. <laughs> yeah, and so look, that was just some of the things I loved because it got um, my eating back on track and, you yeah, know, just really cut out a ton of the calories. So, you know, from that perspective, it was really beneficial. Um, and, you know, it sort of gives you a sense of community as well. You know, you feel like you're one of the tribe. You, you, other people are doing it. You're all doing this kind of challenging thing together. So mm. in that way, it's really great because it's supportive and all the rest. There are certainly some things that I strongly dislike about, you know, paleo lifestyle or paleo eating for um, the purpose of, you know, the the programs that they run. Um, and I think first and foremost, like, I just have this question. Cavemen didn't eat tons of avocados. 
And they certainly didn't spoon, you know, tablespoons of coconut oil out of jars. So, you know, I'm just like, there's nothing caveman about that, you know, and yet they're still saying that's, that's part of the caveman diet. So part of my brain is a little bit challenged there because, you know, eating out of season tropical fruit and, you know, sweet potatoes and beef jerky and nut butters and all of this stuff that's promoted on paleo lifestyle. Um, there's a fair deal of that stuff. It's got nothing to do with caveman whatsoever. So I think yeah. I've seen, um, you know, paleo chocolate cookies and paleo, um, like raspberry muffins, yeah. and paleo, like yeah. cakes and all. I think they really go like, or I think I've even seen like paleo waffles and all that. Sort of, you know, yeah. when the hell are waffles paleo? Yeah. So um, look, it's just a label. Okay. And I think that's the key thing to remember that, um, it's a label when it's eating, I think leading, like we've said already too many people down the path of eating too much processed meat and just thinking it's a better choice for them when yes. in fact it's not. Um, and it's really quite as simple as that. It's just the way it's interpreted. You know, it's not necessarily laid out in stone. Um, a lot of people it's interpretive. So they, they'll, give and take out of that program what they feel is best for them yeah. um, you know they might not like eating one thing so they'll just double the, the quantity of the meat because it's easier and it fills them up and it's um, part of the paleo program and I think finally look so many people they're you know this idea of being paleo yeah, let's just go back to basics and I think where it comes down to for me personally is that Everything we do as wellness women, everything we encourage you guys to do as listeners as well, uh, you know, become wellness women in your life as well, is to just simplify. You know, simplify. And to simplify literally means just eat real food. Yeah. In reasonable quantities. So not overdosing on, on your, your meat every single day. Meat maybe three to three to four times a week max. You know, two to three would be better and finding vegetarian options. You know, consuming high high vegetarian life uh, diet in general is always beneficial. It's shown to decrease rates of cancer. It's shown to decrease rates of obesity, heart disease. Uh, huge amounts of things like that are, are being contributed to and uh, the reason a vegetarian that is, lifestyle. Yeah, the reason that is, and it's not because um, of the grain consumption. It's not because oh, if you're going to have a vegetarian meal, you're going to choose, you know, the, the creamy pasta or, um, you know, the vegetarian lasagna or something like that. It's because of the uh, amount of uh, vegetables and small amounts of fruits that they're consuming, which is so beneficial to our gut um, and so beneficial to you know our whole body because of the um, you know the antioxidants, the amino acids, all of those sorts of things that are present and the phytonutrients as well in vegetables and you know the how well our microbiome. <laughs> this is such a you know hot topic. Um, you know, responds to that sort of thing because of the, the fermentable fibers as well. So yeah, it's, it's not about the grains. It's about the vegetables. But speaking of grains, how much um, animal rearing has to be done in yeah. parts of the world where we devote large amounts of agricultural land, um, to raising, you know, crops. So, so grains, and then that grain is transported, exported to other countries to then feed the livestock. And this is where the ethical, you know, and the environmental impacts, you have to question the, the industry of the meat industry. Um, you know, we're not trying to cripple the meat industry here because there's important jobs and livelihoods that, yeah. <laughs> that rely upon the meat industry. But, um, you know, conscious choices, conscious decision making, you know, consuming moderate amounts because, look, global population is going up considerably. Meat consumption is going up considerably we've said it before, it's not sustainable. So if each of us on our own terms can make these small sustainable choices um, in our own lives, gosh, it makes a big difference. And sometimes we feel as though it's not touching the edge of anything. Just remember there's always a ripple effect. 
small things done by a large number of people can have such a huge impact globally as well. So, um, yeah, did we hit the nail there? Have we actually, what we came on to this episode was really to say, does meat cause cancer? The answer is no. Um, We take choices in terms of our ethics. And of course, that's because we don't really, um, you know, agree with high consumption of meat. Um, We love the paleo lifestyle for its clean eating approach. We dislike the paleo lifestyle because a lot of people misconstrue that into eating too much meat. So there's a fine balance. I think the thing there is, again, media sensationalism. So paleo is a buzzword at the moment for good or bad. Um, Some people do it really, really well. Some people use that to really encourage um, a very healthful lifestyle and healthy choices. Whereas sometimes, again, like you said, you take it down the rabbit hole, you eat, you know, kangaroo meat like four times a day and (laughs) it's it's not a healthy body make. Um, I really like to think of every time I'm, I'm making a conscious decision, I'm, I'm, voting with my dollar so it's that conscious capitalism um where when i buy meat like you know like we do like i've said it's going to be it's going to be organic it's going to be local it's going to be from a source that i'm aware of um and that that grain um thing is really important because do you remember a few years ago if you're at a restaurant and um there was a label on oh you know some beautiful cut of meat grain fred blah 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 and everyone's going oh it's grain fed that's got to be great um i don't know why anyone would advertise that because that's terrible um since when would you know your your cows our daisy out there on the, on the farm be eating you know bucket loads of corn or not even that i um i heard well, yeah they never go munching through wheat fields or, or corn fields they go munching through grass no. and pasture and their physiology doesn't support that mm. so they get sick so they put on antibiotics constantly as well as, um, you know, all sorts of different hormones as well to so, make them fat and tasty. Sadly, a lot of us are eating sick meat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we might be consuming meat, but it's actually from sick cows, sick, sick animals, you yeah. know, for the most part in the sense that sick, meaning that they're not vitally, abundantly healthy. They're, you know, suboptimal in their health status as an animal, um, which means we then eat something that's also suboptimal in its quality. Yeah, and it's pumped full of antibiotics and chemicals, and that's why the meat has that xenoestrogenic effect, Mm. because of it's got a really high fat content because of the grains they're feeding it, um, and everything else that that gets pumped into that as well. I I heard that they even feed the um, you know, the CAFO feeding lots, it's sawdust and, um, you know, shavings from industry and sawmills and things like that because oh, that's it's, horrifying. it's just, it's a filler. Yeah, literally um, a filler. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The cows will feel full, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be uh, consuming any sort of nutrient value that's going to make the animal healthy. That's yeah. really sad and tragic for the animals as well. Sad. So, look, I think that's, you know, an ethical standpoint. Um, again, just saying, hey, you know, you're listening to us. Question, are you eating meat? Are you eating it every day? Um, do you know where your meat comes from? You, do you know which farms your, your meat choices come from? Are they free range? Are they grass fed? Because free range doesn't necessarily mean grass fed. And this is a really interesting challenge in labeling industries as well, because you, for example, you could have a farm and the farm is just dust. The animals are free range because they're walking around and they've got no restrictions in their, their movements. However, there's nothing for them to eat, so they're being fed grains. 
but they're still free range. Exactly. And this happens with chickens. This happens with um, livestock, so cows and sheep and all the rest. Um, tragically, it happens in Australia quite often because of drought. You know, as anyone you know internationally would know, Australia is the land of um, you know many things: floods and fire, you know, rains and uh, and droughts as well. And because of that, we've had to revert to some of these farming practices, whilst not beneficial but necessary for our farmers to stay alive. You know, for them yeah. to maintain their livelihoods. So they've had to resort. You know, in periods um, throughout Australian history, to literally just importing their feedlots so that their animals can survive these prolonged droughts. So, you know, again, we're not criticising the meat industry. We're not criticising farmers and the amazing work they do on the land because, heaven help us, if there were no farmers, we wouldn't exist. I'm not sure human population would survive. You know, I don't know uh, that we could all survive, particularly when, uh, you know, Cadbury or Heinz or any of those companies were feeding us. God help us, we'd all be dead very much earlier than we are. So thanks to, um, the, you know, the hard work and the, and the, the lifetime work of our farmers, we do get great food to eat and great, um, you know, opportunities to make amazing meals um, that we can go and buy, you know, a Pete Evans Paleo book and actually have something we can cook from scratch yeah. because it comes, you know, to us um, from those farms with love most of the time. But we're just talking about the generalised global production of meat and there's far more people eating meat than what the sustainable practices can support. So then they become unsustainable practices. So that's why we ask you, do you know where your stuff's coming from? And I think the, the big thing there is if you um, do eat meat, look at the quality so the things that we've just discussed there find out where it comes from um, you know is it organic do you know what they're fed do you know how they're they're raised um, and the quantity as well so how much are you eating what is your serving size um, I love Damien Christoph's palm method I think that's really great so you know your, your protein serve should be about the size of your palm and about the thickness of the, of the fleshy you know, piece of your palm, that's usually a hell of a lot smaller than what most people are putting on their plate. And that's really interesting because it also shows portion control per person. Exactly. So when you serve dinner out and there's six people around a table, now it's going to be tricky if you're doing a, a dinner party for friends and you're like, okay, everyone put out your hand. Yeah, yeah. I will cut it according to, uh, <laughs> so to your... So you start rationing according to their hand and they, you know, they look at the person beside them, but hey, you've got a bigger one. Well, your hand's bigger. So no, we, we're yeah, being silly there. but yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the, the palm size is then relative and it gives you a fairly good baseline and a guideline um, because then, you know, at least you, generally speaking, are not going to be over-consuming, um, you know, relative to, to body weight, size and needs. And um, it certainly helps you with portion control as well. So that is an incredibly good method. So if you don't know about that, go and um, Google Damien Christoph, the palm method, yeah. and you'll probably see some little shorts and clips and some little videos and maybe even a worksheet. And I know Precision Nutrition as well. Um, so yes, if you're not familiar right. with them, Precision Nutrition have some incredibly good illustrations and graphics on this particular thing, talking about palm methods and serving sizes, yeah. how much protein, how do you assess how much protein, how much carbohydrate, you know, how much fats. It, it's really great stuff. So um, we'll yeah. set some links on our on our Facebook page when this is all coming up, uh, you know, in the week. We'll share with you some of those illustrations and graphics so you really get this idea of what portion control is with meat um, for the days that you are eating meat and then realizing the days you're not eating meat there's still some great options for you there and there's so many vegetarian sources of protein yes. um, what are some of those protein sources that we can use other than meat Andrea I mean I know certainly some beans and legumes you've got yeah. your lentils which are fantastic 
Well, depending on, again, your ethical view, I love eggs. I think yes. eggs are such uh, incredible. They're like the original superfood. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially if the, the whites are cooked through, you get the really good bioavailable protein from that. Um, that's probably one of my favorite protein um, sources um, for people who don't um, don't consume that. Um, I know we're kind of talking about red meat now, but fish and seafood is all fantastic as well. It's a great source of protein. It doesn't have the same um, sort of implications on the body as what some of the, the processed red meat does as well. Um, and let me just say that uh, I, I certainly agree with some of the, the statements that we've made about the processed meats. I would steer clear of them absolutely because of all the substances in there that are really toxic to the body. So, you know, stay away from all the processed stuff. Um, I kind of agree with them there, yeah. But they, again, I will say, talk to your butcher as well yeah. because my local butcher has some incredible um, natural smoked bacon and there is no additives, no nitrates, no preservatives. It's got a very short shelf life. Um, and, you know, it's as, as good to the source as you can get. So, yeah, you know, some of those things are catchphrases that to say exclude everything. But you, you might ask the right questions and you'll get better, better sources of foods. Also, the fish and seafood side of things too. Hey, there's a lot of fish out there that's being farmed right now. And yeah. again, it's sick fish. So, you know, is it deep water, fresh fish? fresh seafood or are we talking about some farm seafood that's been transported you know thousands of kilometers in the deep freezer quality again sources again eat local eat fresh you know just eat real food um we sound you know a bit mundane at times when we keep repeating this but that's the source of health that's the source of well-being you know you are what you eat and you know as it is a cliche for a reason but it's so true and you know let food be thy medicine hell yes you know i'll choose food any day you know superfoods and green power foods um before i'll go pumping pills into my body hoping that they might do something good for me um and of course there's a time and place for medicine we know that to be true so again look to the uh, the natural sources of things protein sources what else have we got um we've got well i mean there's also limited amounts of tofu um so you've got things that come from soy soybean uh this is a fermented soy so it has um you know some healthful benefits uh for the body if you can tolerate that um again you know i would stick to the quantities i would the rules would be the same as what red meat would be for tofu as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. um, you know, your beans your legumes um small amounts in nuts and seeds um but again those are those are snacks those are not meals um, uh, quinoa yeah. has protein as yeah. well. I think yeah. it's about four grams per serving, so that's still you know it's technically a seed. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So look, there's some ideas for you. Um, that will give you a place to start if you think, well, actually, you know, I could definitely afford to cut back on my meat consumption um and you know maybe you resonate with some of our views and opinions today as well in regards to some of the ethical principles behind the meat industry um and you know understanding that hey you're making food choices for health choices yes um and we can be scared by sensationalist media i mean god once upon a time they told us you know don't eat avocados and eggs because it raises cholesterol and now they've completely reversed those findings but it was really great sensational media for a while though so again you know same with this topic that's come up in uh, current media you know meat causing cancer it's all very doom and gloom again rational you know logical interpretation here small amounts cooked properly coming from good sources it's still healthy <laughs> still great food isn't it yeah. and we would love to um to know if uh you know maybe you do follow a paleo type lifestyle and how many people emailed you that article when it came out <laughs> was your was your inbox um full from you know well-meaning friends saying ha, yeah, i told you so told yeah, you paleo you better, is no good <laughs> you, better, you better sort your lifestyle out there yeah. um but you know ash and i certainly consume 
moderate amount of, um, you know, very high quality meat because that's what's most, you know, healthy and beneficial for our bodies and our systems right now. So that's the choices that we're making. Um, so in summary, uh, <laughs> you know, look at your sources, um, question, question the studies, question the media, um, and, you know, make the best decisions. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.